You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Whatever their gifts may be, you know, these very charismatic, what seems to be individuals who have successful so-called Christian ministries, whatever their gifts may be, and however wonderful they may seem, the truth of the matter is, is that if Christ is not at the centerpiece of their teaching and their ministry, they are not of God. Many of us are easily impressed by the charisma, gifts, and passion that can sometimes be found in other congregations. While there's nothing wrong with being encouraged or inspired by other bodies of believers, it's important that we use discernment. In today's message, Pastor Mike will teach you that regardless of passion, works, or otherwise, all is in vain without Jesus at the center. In his study, you'll gain a better understanding of what it means to be a Christ-centered church. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he begins his message, Test the Spirits. So 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Now, this is interesting. Think about this. He's talking about the spirits. He's not necessarily even talking about the people who deliver these false teachings and doctrines. Because, you see, there is a spirit behind them. You know, even as there is a spirit behind the message that I'm going to be delivering this evening. And that is the Holy Spirit, right? It's God's Holy Spirit bearing together with our spirit. Whether the things that I'm going to be sharing with you this evening are true, whether or not they are of God. And so, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So once again, this evening's message, test the spirits. Now, as we've already talked about in the introduction of this series, in 1 John, you see there were these false teachings, 
swirling around in the church. So at least in part, John is writing this letter to combat that false, those false teachings. The Gnostics, remember we were introduced to these individuals uh, there in the beginning of our series. Now, testing the spirits, knowing what is true, what is false. Listen, this evening, as I've already mentioned, we're talking about truth in teaching and in doctrine. Now, this is important for a variety of different reasons, but most of all, because there's a lot of voices out there today suggesting that they have the corner on truth. And, you know, it's hard to discern whether it is of God or is not of God because their their approach and and their teachings are are so uh, subtle. And these teachings, these false teachings, are promoted by high-powered, energetic, charismatic figures, some of which claim to be Christians, but some do not, right? I mean, there are many voices that we hear. There's all kinds of self-help kinds of attitudes and philosophies that are being promoted (coughs) today on television, on radio, uh, books that have been written, right? And uh, so I'm not necessarily even talking about within the church, but there are so many voices suggesting that they have the corner on uh, truth. Uh, Some claim to be Christians, but even those who claim to be Christians are not at all. And so to help us weed through this mess, John gives us some guidelines for our personal discernment. And that brings us to our first point this evening, and that is Christ the centerpiece. Christ the centerpiece. And what I'm thinking about here is that Christ has to be at the center of all teachings. If they are truly Christian, if they are true, Christ has to be at the center of those teachings. So the ultimate test for all who profess or teach Christianity, you know, suggest that they are Christians. Uh, They may have even, uh, you know, had, uh, uh, at least by the world standards, some success in what is supposed to be Christian ministry, but it's not Christian ministry at all. They may have large congregations following them. They may have radio programs. They may publish magazines and books promoting their teachings and their uh, doctrines. Nevertheless, this is the way that we gauge whether or not it's true or false. The ultimate test for all who profess or teach Christianity is their attitude towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as it relates to these Gnostics, that were promoting this false teaching within the church back then in the first century, and Paul is addressing here. Notice there in verses 2 and 3, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And then in verse 3, the first part of it, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. So, obviously, these false teachers were suggesting that Jesus was some kind of a spirit. And we've talked about this in our previous studies, that he never had a physical body. 
that he was some kind of a spirit, some kind of an emanation that had come forth from God, some sort of a, a, a phantom figure. Uh, others have even suggested that he was some kind of an angel that had been sent of God. And uh, so notice then, Paul is addressing that particular issue by suggesting, and he's referring to the incarnation of God. Jesus, God, the incarnate God. So listen, whatever their gifts may be, you know, these very charismatic, what seems to be individuals who have successful so-called Christian ministries, whatever their gifts may be, and however wonderful they may seem, the truth of the matter is, is that if Christ is not at the centerpiece of their teaching and their ministry, they are not of God. And rather, this is the spirit of Antichrist. You see, Jesus is absolutely essential to all teaching. And if he isn't in that place, it's not a true Christian teaching. It all has to be directed. All of our attention has to be directed to the person of Jesus Christ. Everything must point to him alone as the answer and solution to man's problems. So, you know, all of these uh, very successful and popular books on self-help and those kinds of issues and stuff, if it has nothing to do with Christ at all, thoroughly reject it as not being Christian. Again, everything must point to him alone as the answer and solution to man's problems. It may be something else, but folks, let me tell you, it is not Christianity. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. And again, beware of the subtleties of these kinds of teachings and teachers. Because you know what? Just enough of Christianity thrown into their teachings that make it seem as if it's respectable, as if it is biblical. So we have to be very careful. And this is why, you know, throughout the scriptures, we're encouraged to develop discernment. And, uh, you know, don't take everything that, anyone, that everyone says, you know, as being biblical truth. You know, I, I, I just thought of, and I don't have this here in my notes, but I'm thinking about the Bereans who were commended in the book of Acts. You know, they didn't take every teaching at face value. They searched the scriptures for themselves to see if the things that were being taught was of God or were not of God. And so the Bereans in the book of Acts are, are commended uh, for that occupation. And again, as I mentioned, there's so many subtleties to their teachings that at times it's really hard to discern whether their teachings are actually based upon biblical doctrines. For example, let me give you a couple of examples. Christianity is not some kind of a mystical feeling or experience. Now, let me, let me share an observation with you. You know, people turn to mysticism when they are bewildered, when they see all other powers failing them. Like, for example, politicians or current philosophies that are being promoted. And in their perplexity, they turn to mysticism. Now, what am I talking about when I use that term mysticism? Well, people today are talking about getting in tune with the heart of the universe, to be one with the universe. They want to plug into the unseen, into the spiritual realm. 
And thus we have today a revival of Eastern mysticism, uh, particularly uh, Buddhism. Uh, many people are subscribing to Buddhism today. You see, people are anxious to get back into something that is eternal, something that is unseen. And there are many people who think that anybody who is at all interested in such things, like spiritual things, is automatically a Christian. You know, I've, I, I speak to people a lot, you know, and, and when they first realize that I'm a pastor, you know, they'll open up to me and they'll begin to talk about, you know, them being interested in spiritual things. They'll even go as far as to say, well, I'm a very spiritual person. Well, what does that mean? You know, really, what does that mean? You know, yes, they might be a spiritual person, but they've opened themselves up to the wrong spiritual realm. And they've, they've bought into these false teachings lock, stock, and barrel. And they honestly believe that they are spiritual of people. You know, you'll hear them say something like this. Oh, yes, there was a time I was very materialistic, but now I've developed a great interest in the unseen, in the spiritual realm. You see, they've become interested in experiences and feelings along the mystical line. Folks, this is not the true Christian position. So there's an example of what I'm referring to. Let me give you another example. The claim that one has a new sense of power in their life does not prove that they're a Christian in and of itself, apart from the person of Jesus Christ. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm suggesting here, because if you're a born-again believer, if you've given your life to Christ, well, then you have secured a new dynamic for living your life. It's called the Holy Spirit. That is the power of God's Holy Spirit working in and through your life. Usually, it comes in the form of like, uh, and this is what they would suggest, you know, to prove that they were a Christian. I'm all about positive thinking now, you see. I'm all about positive thinking. That doesn't make you a Christian because you think positively. Or I've become a subscriber of Christian science, and I can actually speak my reality into existence. This is what some of these people uh, believe. Or they subscribe to some of the uh, attitudes and philosophies of psychology. Folks, this is not Christianity. Right? It's not Christianity. But isn't it interesting? You know, there's so many people who, who fly their flag under the banner of Christianity that teach, like, for example, positive thinking. And they think that that's just a part of Christianity, an integral part of Christianity, but it's not at all. So there's another example. Let me give you some more. The Christian position is not just one in which we subscribe to a number of exalted teachings and ideas. Although, I mean, you can't get more exalted in the teachings that Christ delivered to us. Like, for example, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Christ's great manifesto. We subscribe wholeheartedly to those things. But, you know, there's just some people who are, you know, they subscribe to some elevated or exalted teachings and ideas, some kind of a conception of life. Listen, you can find elevated teachings in Greek pagan philosophy and in many modern philosophies as well. But these thoughts and ideas alone, apart from the person of Jesus Christ, guess what? It's not true Christianity. Let me give you another example, another 
misconception that people have. To accept the teachings of Jesus just as teachings does not make someone a Christian. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi praised the teachings of Jesus and encouraged people to follow them. But folks, let me tell you something. Gandhi was not a Christian, was he? Right? It's like, you know, buying into the teachings of Confucius or Buddha. Does that make you a, you know, a Buddhist? I mean, think about it. Well, I don't know. Maybe the answer to that question would be, would be yes. It's true. But, but if we approach the teachings of Christ as nothing more than mere Christians rather than being absolutes, folks, that does not make you a Christian. The emphasis must be upon the person of Christ and upon our relationship with him. These other things I just mentioned are not part of true Christianity. You know, I, I don't know how many times people have come, and I've been involved now in ministry for like, how many years? Like 40 years. And, and I've seen this time and time again. You know, someone will come to me, and it's usually a new believer. It's a new Christian who hasn't really, you know, been taught in the word of God, really doesn't have a foundation in the understanding of the word of God, the teaching of the word of God, hasn't set under a ministry for an extended period of time where he can develop this kind of discernment. So that new Christian, uh, someone who is in season, will come to me usually after a service, and he's all excited, she's all excited. And this happens pretty regularly, by the way. Not, well, not here so much, but occasionally it does happen. You know, they'll say, Pastor Mike, you know what? What do you think about this? I just heard this person on the radio, or, you know, I just read this book. I picked it up at my local Christian bookstore, and, you know, it's promoting some new teaching or some new doctrine, and, I, and they just go through it, and, you know, and I'll listen to them, and, uh, you know, I'll spend some time with them. Hope, and hopefully, you know, as they're sharing it with me, everything's going through my mind. I'm saying, oh, man, okay, well, at the end of this, I'm going to have to correct and, and uh, you know, bring them back to reality. But listen, there's no new thing under the sun. But I always end the conversation like this. And this would be a good way for you to end your conversation that you might have with someone who is promoting some new idea, some new concept, some new teaching, some new doctrine as it relates to Christianity. How does that new teaching that you're so excited about that you just heard for the first time, right? The person who is promoting it thinks that he has a corner on that particular piece of truth. How does that affect you in a way to draw you closer to Jesus Christ and serve your brothers and sisters more completely? That's the bottom line. How does it, how does it lend itself to you falling more deeply in love with Jesus Christ? You know, and building virtue within your life. Is that teaching making you more holy, right? More willing to serve, right? You know, those are the things that we need to be concerned about. Usually it's spent on, you know, what I'm going to get out of it. Usually the teaching is appealing to the person because it's all about what I can get out of it, right? It's like the positive confession teaching. I'm going to, you know, claim it. I'm going to grab it. And uh, what's the phrase we used to use it? Blab it and grab it, right, kind of a thing. So anyway, it all must, the emphasis must be upon the person of Jesus Christ and upon our relationship with him. So all of these other things that I've just mentioned, all of the things that we've just went over, are not part of true Christianity. Now, with that said, 
Let's go on and let's zero in on these antichrists. That's the way that John recommends them to us. The antichrist that John is referring to here in his epistle, these were individuals within the church. So interestingly enough, be careful because you're going to find these kinds of individuals within the church. And you know what? I, I mentioned this before in one of our previous teachings because we were already introduced to the Gnostics and what they were all about. But you know what? Particularly, you know, they, they would approach a new Christian whose heart really wants to know the Lord. You know, someone comes into the body, and, and he's not seasoned, he's a young Christian, and he really wants to develop his relationship with the Lord. So here comes this false teacher, and he's suggesting that he has the corner on truth and that, you know, if you follow his teachings, you know, you will receive revelation that no other people have the capacity of receiving. And so that's the hook that draws them in. The, real, the truth of the matter is that those people who are promoting those teachings are really just seeking to draw disciples unto themselves. And that was the case here within, within the church. So here are well-meaning Christians who really love the Lord, right? But they're young Christians. They don't have a lot of discernment. Here comes this false teacher who suggests that they have a corner of truth, that they know things that no one else knows. The pastor doesn't know it. The elders don't know it. This is some new teaching that has been revealed to me and to me alone and just a small group of other Christians, right? Oh, boy, that'll get your attention because, you know, here's the new Christian he, you know, he's, he's trying to figure out this new relationship that he has with the Lord. He, he doesn't know right from wrong yet, really, right? He, he's not seasoned, and that's the hook that draws him in. Oh, boy, discernment. And again, that's one of the reasons why discernment is so very, very important. So these were individuals within the church, in the church, who claimed to believe in Jesus, and yet John refers to them as antichrist. So be really careful at the end or the conclusion of a service. You know, someone comes up to you and says, uh, oh, listen, I, I see that you're here for the first time or, you know, uh, never met you before. Oh, you just gave your life to Christ. Well, you know what? Let's go out and have a cup of coffee. And uh, now, you know, just, just be very careful, all right? And uh, you might want to get together with me or one of the other elders and see if it's okay for you to go out with that person and have a cup of coffee, if, whether or not we know them. We'll hook you up with some reliable, seasoned Christians, fathers and mothers in the faith. If that's what you're looking for, if that's what you need, if you need to be discipled, we'd be more than happy to provide that uh, for you. But be really careful. Be real careful who you hang out. We've seen, Pastor Jose, how many, how many times have we seen this? And they've been drawn out of the fellowship. And believe me, this is not all about keeping people in our church. This is about what's right. This is about your relationship with God. And they're drawn away by these false teachings. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. We invite you to connect with Pastor Mike and listen to more teachings from God's Word by visiting harvestnyc.org. At our website, you'll learn all about his ministry and the church it stems from, Harvest Christian Fellowship. 
We'd love you to join us for worship this Sunday at 11 a.m. You can reserve your seat online by clicking on Contact. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, though, or if you're just unable to attend in person right now, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time of studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch up with previous messages, check out the link under Resources for One Place. Just click on the earphones to listen in. You can also watch other services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. How can we be praying for you right now? Feel free to fill out the contact form at harvestnyc.org. We're honored to lift you up to the Lord in prayer. Thanks for joining us today on In My Father's House.